0: good good to see everybody this morning uh, as you know blood is a very important part of our uh, christian life uh, we understand that the blood of jesus is what covers us so the blood of jesus is what has saved us even one drop of his blood was enough to cover the sins of the world and yet jesus uh, scripture says that he uh, spent every drop of blood uh, that was in his, in his body, in his human body, in order to redeem humankind. And so it's a, the least we could do is to give back, and, and so if you're at all inclined, why don't you come next Sunday? Uh, you can go at 11.30, between 11.30 and 2, and you can give blood and uh, actually save lives. That's an awesome thing. Um, today we're going to be in week two, and I want to kind of start off by talking about our conscience for a second. Have you ever heard the statement, let your conscience be your guide? Maybe it was by a little cricket or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old for you guys. Young guys are like, eh, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, have you heard, let your conscience be your guide? Or have you heard, like I said last week, you do you? Have you seen that? Have you heard that? Okay. So you do you, let your conscience be your guide. Um, There's a slight problem with it, and it really depends on what um, what is our conscience listening to. Like, where is our conscience inclining? And so we're going to talk this morning about being spiritually dangerous. The, the problem with our conscience is over time, it can be swayed or turned off, and what we think is right is actually wrong, and what we think is wrong is actually right. And we can see this progression in our culture. We can see this progression in the people around us, that the things that used to be unacceptable are now just everyday occurrences. And we see this all the time. And so one of my own personal examples, when I was a kid, I would never say the word, but that was like, uh-uh, B-U-T-T. Okay. Not B-U-T, but B-U-T-T. And so my brother and I would joke because we'd say a sentence. And of course, there was a but and a comma in there. And we would like, but, and so we'd say it, even though we weren't saying it. Well, now it's no big deal. I'm saying it in church. Now, if I was a kid, uh, I mean automatic ticket to hell if that was the thing when I was a kid if I would have said that in church and there's some other words that you know I probably shouldn't say but those are on the list like our our consciences over time begin to erode and things that were acceptable or unacceptable sorry become acceptable that is the way that our consciences work and so we have two different influences and it really depends on what's influencing our conscience is the decisions we're going to make based on our hearts our conscience our gut if you said I just have a gut feeling my heart just says this my heart wants this. All those depend on your influence. There's two influences. We have our flesh. This is the cravings. This is the impulses. This is the desire desires. That's why it's so hard to go on a diet, is that we have this thing in our mind where like, okay, I'm not going to eat sugar. Well, then we have this like desire and this impulse and this craving, and there's certain times if we're in the right place at the right time, it's gone, right? Um, if you happen to say, I'm not going to eat sugar, and then you go to Freddy's, I mean... You're just in the right place at the right time, and you're going to get a custard, and you're done, right? And then you're going to leave, and you're going to feel bad and guilty, like, I was supposed to eat right. I was supposed to do this. It's because our flesh has these cravings and impulses, and our flesh, when we're talking spiritually, actually produces all kinds of evil desires and evil paths. Well, then there's this other side. Once you come into a relationship with Jesus, this is the one of the things that he's promised us, is that he fills us with his spirit. The living God actually is living in us. And when we have the spirit living in us, this is Jesus, this is purity, this is clear, this is like our our clear conscience. It produces good results, it removes guilt and shame, and and actually when we listen to him, our conscience can actually follow what's correct. Well, it all depends on what we're listening to, who we're listening to when we make decisions in our life. We're talking through a series called Dangerous, and the truth is, the bottom line of this series is that God has called each of us. To a dangerous life. This is not a life that is dangerous for us because we're Christians. No, it's dangerous for those around us because if we're truly gonna live leaning and yielding to the Holy Spirit, He is gonna allow us or He's gonna lead us to do things that seem dangerous because we have Him living in us. God wants to work in you and through you, and He has done as He's done with others in the past. He wants you to experience His power, He wants you to experience His presence. You are not exempt from God's supernatural work in your life. This is what we're walking through. And we're actually looking at the life of Gideon in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, and the book of Judges. Last week, if you didn't uh, hear the message, I encourage you to go out and download the podcast or go on Facebook and you can watch it. But we talked about Gideon and how he was a man that God told him who he was and that he was dangerous, that he was going to be with him. Well, we're going to look at his life again today, and then we're going to pair it with the New Testament in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Judges, and then we're going to flip over to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, pull out your device, and you can actually go on in your, the live event, and you can follow along there. It'll also, of course, be here on the screen. There's some things that you may want to highlight or underline, and so as we work through this passage in Judges chapter 6. So looking at the life of Gideon, this is an example of of a dangerous life a a person who god says you are the one i'm choosing and you are a hero you are dangerous so let's pick the story back up verse seven so remember verse one through six talks about all the bad that was happening to the israelites they were in this sin cycle where they were doing whatever they wanted to do and then there was oppression there was danger and then god sent a hero to rescue them then they had peace and then they fall fell back into the sin cycle Now, if I look at my own life, and if I am honest with myself, I also have this cycle of sin that I go in and out of, and this is the problem of our sin nature. This is the problem of us being born as humans. So let's look at verse 7. It says, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, these were the oppressors, the Lord sent what? Let's say this out loud together. The Lord sent what? A prophet. Well, dang it, I thought he was supposed to send a hero. I don't on a preacher. I don't want him to tell me what I did wrong. Well, look at this. To the Israelites, he said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. Verse 10, I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But what? You did not listen to me now in the days of gideon and what we call the old testament or the the jewish scriptures we see that god often spoke to the people through a prophet through a messenger now this prophet usually god appeared to him gave him a message and said now go to israel and tell them the message that i've given you prophets were usually men who spoke on behalf of god to the people of israel and this message usually came through this person So that he would call them back, realign their lives with the mission of God, with the call of God on their lives. If we look at our track record, there's many times that we are more consumed with the worship of us than the worship of God. God has always been about His people worshiping Him and bringing glory to Him. He's always desired that we bring our lives to Him and present our lives to Him. And He's always wanted us to work together to push back darkness and bring peace and freedom to the oppressed. But if we look at our lives, many times we're in this cycle where we fall once again, over and over again. And depending on who we're listening to or what we're listening to, our consciences usually trick us into thinking that we're okay when we pursue our own comfort we pursue what we want. So the Israelites, if you're taking notes, there's some blanks today. With the Israelites during this time of the judges, we can summarize their problem with one thing, one thing, and it's this, the problem of disobedience. The problem of disobedience. God had told them what to do. He had blessed them. He had opened the way, and yet they just did their own thing over and over again. Judges uh, chapter 21 kind of ends on a sour note, kind of a negative note In the very last verse of the chapter, the last book in, or sorry, the last chapter in Judges, it says this, in those days, the Israelites had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. This is the problem of disobedience. When I follow my conscience, when I do what I want to do, and I'm listening to what my flesh desires, I'll end up in the same boat doing whatever I was right in my own eyes. Now, they didn't want anybody to tell them what to do. They want to do what they wanted to do. And as we look around today, we can summarize that most of the chaos in our world, most of the chaos in the people that are in and out of our lives is because we do whatever we want to do, whatever we think is right. We go our own way. We do whatever the heck we want. And that is the truth in our world today, and that was the truth back in the day of Judges. Now, as we progress through the story of Gideon over the next few weeks, we need to look that this story is not a prescription for you to apply to your life. This story is simply a description. There's a difference and I want to explain this real quick. The difference between a description and a prescription, okay? If you're sick, you go to the doctor and if he if he describes your ailment, He usually takes out his pad, and he writes a prescription, right? And if you want to get better, you go and you take this medicine. Well, many times we look at Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, especially in Jewish Scripture, and we say, oh, if I do this, what Gideon did, then God's going to give me this result, when simply this story was describing what God did with Gideon. And we can celebrate, because God works in many different ways with many different people. I think what happens with us in the Christian life As we look through scripture and we say, ah, I'm going to look for some little secret codes. I'm going to look for some Easter eggs to unlock a secret life as a Christian. We think that if we unlock this code, that we could be successful, we could be wealthy, we could be happy, we could be healthy, we could be famous. We tend to read scriptures and look for patterns on how God works. And then we apply it to our lives and we think that God will work that same way in our lives. Many times we see in Scripture that this is a description of how God worked, not a prescription for success. God rarely works the same way twice. And you say, well, what in the world? Well, over and over again in Scripture, you can see it over and over again. He rarely did the exact same thing twice because he doesn't want us to be worshiping the process. He wants us to be worshiping the Savior. He wants to be worship, us to be worshiping God want us to bring glory to God. He tells us these stories as an inspiration for us that he can use anyone, that he can empower anyone, and that he can bless anyone. It doesn't matter what your DNA is, what your birthplace is, it doesn't matter your education, it doesn't matter your talents or abilities, God can use anyone and he can bless and he can show up in anyone's life at any moment. There's many of us that say, God has drawn me to this place this morning and possibly this morning, God's gonna show up in your life in spite of you and he's going to wreck your life and, you, and in, in a good way. I'm not talking about destroy your life. I'm talking about mess you up in a way for you to come and follow Jesus. God is on a mission to draw people to himself. He is building his church. He is drawing worshipers, worshipers to himself. And the whole Bible, the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus from the beginning to the end. It's about a Savior and the mission of God To draw people to himself. This word is not here for your happiness. This word is not here for your success. This word is here to draw you to Jesus and for you to give your life to Jesus and then partner with other people in order to lead people to find and follow Jesus. It's in our very mission statement here at Bethel. Well, with Gideon, we're back at his story in verse 34 of chapter 6. After he heard the call of God, after God called the nation of Israel out, he shows up in his life and look what he says. Verse 34, then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as he called as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abiezer came to him. Today, I want us to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want us to talk about the work, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, the Holy Spirit didn't have that name. He was called the Holy Ghost. Anybody experience that when you're growing up? A little scary, mystical, the Holy Ghost. Oh, my goodness, the Ghost. Ooh, we've confused the Holy Spirit. We're gonna to see today that we've cons- confused the Holy Spirit with a mist or a kind of a weird cloud out there when scripture tells us that when Jesus left, he actually came as a person and he fills us. It's the Holy Spirit, it is very God. Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit was active in creation in Genesis chapter one, that the Holy Spirit is God. The word for in verse uh in, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the word is Elohim. And this word Elohim means multiple personalities, multiple people, but one, one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystical presence. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus in John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit is our seal of promise as believers in Ephesians chapter 1. The Holy Spirit helps believers when we don't know how to pray or what to pray in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit empowers believers with supernatural gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the Holy Spirit comforts, guides, loves, indwells, empowers, and equips us. It is the very presence of God in us. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be spiritually dangerous. But for focus, we need to understand the difference between the Holy Spirit in Gideon's day and the Holy Spirit in our day. So before Jesus rose from the dead, The Holy Spirit came to this earth, and he came in different moments and in different times and would leave, would come on a person and then leave. Well, that's completely different today. The difference is that uh, the Holy Spirit is here to stay. The Spirit would come in a cloud or a presence or a mist or a clothing or a covering or a burning bush, and you can read it over and over again in the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Spirit is promised by Jesus that he would come during this first meeting that we call Pentecost. The Spirit came. He no longer went away. He was here to stay. He indwelled every believer and began to work the work of leading us to truth. He began the work of taking us on a path of obedience. Remember the original pro- problem with the nation of Israel was disobedience? Well, the Holy Spirit living in us is actually leading us to obedience. We're going to be looking at a New Testament passage. Uh, Paul, he was one of the early Christ followers where God chose him to follow, he, he met him on the road where he was persecuting Christians, early believers, and he showed up in his life, and Paul later wrote this letter of Galatian, uh, Galatia, Galatians to a group of believers in Galatia, spread around Galatia. They had enslaved themselves in the process of Christianity, and they were trying to enslave others with their beliefs. Paul tells them that he wrote this letter to call them out of slavery and back to a relationship with Christ. Now, if you look at the the Israelites in the time of Gideon, they had gone away and done their own thing. They were in slavery again to the Midianites, and a prophet came and called them back to worshiping God. Well, then in the New Testament, a thousand years later, we have Paul calling the church back out of slavery into a relationship with God. To be a worshiper. So, we're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 5 as we're going to spend the rest of our time, and we're going to start in verse 13. And this is for believer and unbeliever alike. God is calling you into a relationship with Him. So, verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. And there's so much to unpack in just these first three verses, but when we come to Jesus, he fills us with his spirit, his presence, the person of Jesus And we are free. The difference is that when we come to the Christian life and we think it's a list of rules, a list of to-dos and a list of to-don'ts, we overlook the redeeming and the saving power of the Spirit when He comes in. And in spite of ourselves, in spite of our sin, in spite of us being far from God, He comes into us, not because we have any redeeming qualities whatsoever, But he comes into us and he dwells in us in spite of ourselves. And little by little, he begins to transform us into the image of Christ. When we reduce the Christian life to a list of rules and regulations, we miss the point of freedom. Jesus said he wants to remove our burdens and that his yoke or his collar is light. Most of us find freedom and then we begin to judge other people. Most of us find freedom somewhat of a relief in our soul and our conscience and we judge others for not finding jesus scripture is a mirror it is not binoculars let me say this again scripture is a mirror not binoculars when we understand who jesus is we hold up scripture to our lives and we ask ourselves huh how am i out of line And when we hold it, we look at it, we say, oh, there's an area I need to work on. But most of us take it, and we start pointing at other people and say, oh, I read this, and you're doing wrong. But you know what? The Spirit's doing a work in that person's life that's not the work he's doing in my life. So how are we to love one another? It says there that we are supposed to not bite one another, and that's the reason most people are not interested in the Christian community. Because the Christian community is so full of people that are judging and biting and consuming one another instead of realizing that this freedom is, oh, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm a pretty bad one. And when I look at Scripture and I hold it up to my life, I say, oh, man, there's nothing in me that's good. And yet Jesus loves me. And then he says to love one another. How? How? By the power of the Spirit. How are we supposed to live spiritually dangerous? Well, by the power of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. So you're ready for the prescription. We already have a description. Now you're ready for a prescription? We'll see that what God did in Gideon's life as this description goes forward, but we're going to look at how we can be spiritually dangerous starting in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. It says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you have your Bibles, just circle that, or you can look at it and circle it later. Guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed, there's that word directed again, guide, directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. So to unpack this, there's a bunch of blanks if you're taking notes today. The first one is spiritually dangerous people choose to follow the Spirit's leading. So it's a choice that I make to follow the Spirit when He's in my life. Now a lot of us think that the Spirit comes and goes like the time of Gideon, but that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that when we understand that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, that we have the seal of the Spirit in our lives. And he's there, and he's kind of sitting around waiting for us to make a choice. And if we choose to listen and follow him, he'll tell us more. If we choose to follow our flesh, he's going to sit there, and he's going to be patient and wait. So we choose to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, no matter where it leads. Have you ever been in the car with your kids? Anybody? And you're driving, right? And if you have two kids, it's interesting. One, that's pretty easy. Two. What's what 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 is the common, especially when they're younger? Maybe when they're older too, I don't know. He's touching my side, he touched me, she touched me, she's looking at me, don't look at me. And then what's our response as parents? Eventually, especially on a road trip. Do I need to pull this car over? Do I need to come back there? Now, I'm going to tell you something about my dad. Don't judge. This is just my life growing up. Three of us. Okay, three. Once you go three, I'm just going to start swinging. (laughs) Whoever gets hit, it's the Holy Spirit. Mm, mm. (laughs) He got on my side, scooted over. So all car rides are the same. You know why? It's this battle inside in our own hearts in our own lives we're going down the highway and we say jesus take the wheel he's got this and then we're back there bickering and fighting and chewing and biting one another and gossiping with one another and really talking down to people because they haven't discovered the reality of jesus like i have they're not yielded to the spirit like i have we begin to look down at people and god is up there going do i need to pull over the car and come back there because how are we going to know that you're a true follower it's by your love for one another it doesn't say by your judge of one another. It's by your love for one another. What do you choose? It really all depends on where you're paying attention. It depends on where your focus is. So what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on yourself? Or are you focusing on Jesus? Verse 19. A lot of people want to just skip this part. When you follow, okay? So you have a choice. There's these two battles that's going on in your heart. There's the flesh and there's the spirit, okay? This is not a question of whether you're going to lose your salvation or whether you're going to lose the presence of God because God has promised he's going to be with us no matter what. Even in our own stupidity, he's going to be with us, okay? And so it says when you follow your sinful nature. So when you listen to the flesh, when you listen to that thing that's pulling your conscience this way, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness with wild parties and other sins like these. And you're like, yeah, that's not me, that's not me. And then as the list goes on, you're like, ooh, ooh, ow. Remember, this is a mirror, this is not binoculars. Because all of us have the temptation to say, oh, yeah, I know some people that live like that. Well, stink. Look at the mirror. Look in the mirror. It says, let me tell you again, as I have before. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, and then it got real. Spiritually dangerous people say no to sin. It's your next blank. I want to explain something here because when you're reading this passage you may feel like if this list is a list and maybe it's a partial list cuz he said on all other sins like this man we're all toast. We might as well just pack up, close our bibles and go out and have fun. That's a, that's kind of the temptation. But you got to understand that Paul is writing in a a tense that's progressive and he's talking about if you do, if you follow these things actively, it's a it's not a temporary lapse of choice. It is directional living. Is your life going this direction where you're constantly making these choices to follow this, the, the flesh's inclination? Are you following your sinful desire? If that is the case in your life and you're constantly battling with doing wrong and you're always doing wrong and that's the direction, it says you have not, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the key phrase here is that anyone living, you see that it's active and progressive verse 22 but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit i don't know why it is that we want to skip to this one we love this one but we don't like the other one except when we get to the word patience we don't want that but that that one okay have you ever prayed for patience oh what a nightmare you're driving down the road your kids are yelling on the back anybody with me but the holy spirit produces what this kind of fruit in our lives love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these, these, against these things. We have this battle between I need a list of do's and don'ts, and then I realize who I really am, and I can just go and uh, follow my flesh. Well, if that's the case, if I'm just going to follow my flesh, we already saw what the results are. They're pretty evident. But when I yield and I submit and I obey the Spirit, the results are incredibly evident. So spiritually dangerous people say yes to the Spirit. You say, Ray, this is really easy. Say no to sin. Say yes to the Spirit. Yes. Do you see that we don't have to force fruit? It comes naturally with the Spirit. So you can test yourself. Am I experiencing love? Am I experiencing joy? Am I experiencing peace? Am I experiencing patience? In Costa Rica, there's signs, just like here, there's yield, there's stop, there's just like we have in the States. Except in Costa Rica, you need to know this, that a stop sign actually means yield. And a yield sign actually means just go for it. So a lot of us come into our lives and we say, okay, we're really confused about the Spirit because we think the Spirit just wants us to either stop, yes or no. But I need to actually yield. What does a yield sign mean? A yield sign doesn't mean full stop. A yield means let's look around and see if someone else has priority. When I'm yielding my life, when I'm following what the Spirit wants me to do, when I'm listening to him, he produces in me this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentle self-control. He, he produces this because I'm yielding to him when I'm driving down this life. And when he comes and he tells me to do something, I yield to him. I yield my calendar. I yield my schedule. And I say, you know what? I'm going to listen. And the thing is, over time, when you're sensitive, there's a little static because we're not perfect, but when you're sensitive to yielding, these things will be produced in your life. And you can test your life and say, man, am I producing all these sinful desires or am I producing joy and peace and patience? And I've said this before and I'll say it again, who gets to enjoy your sinful desires and who gets to enjoy your peace and joy? It's not necessarily you, it's the people around you. And so the people around you are a good test to say, Oh, is this person full of peace and joy and love? Or is this person just always consistently following their sinful nature? You can choose. Follow Jesus or follow your own desires. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So spiritually dangerous people have responded to the call of Jesus. They've responded to the call of Jesus. It's an active decision. I didn't accidentally become a Jesus follower. I didn't accidentally choose to follow him. I actively chose to put my life and faith in him. And I took my sinful desires and I went to the cross and I nailed them there. Because at the cross, I have victory. At the cross, I've overcome my sin through Jesus. He did it all. This action of nailing my passions and desires at the cross is yielding to him for my soul. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading what? Sometimes? Part, part of the time? No, it says in every part of our lives. Spiritually dangerous people make spiritual, or dangerous decisions. They make dangerous decisions. Here is the active daily yielding. He, impar- he invades every part of my life. I give him access. I yield to him to every area of my life. There's nothing off limits. He can go anywhere in my heart and my soul that he wants to. Verse 26, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. It's interesting that Paul ends the discourse in chapter, uh, chapter 5 with a command to keep looking at yourself. Keep holding Scripture up to yourself. Because what happens eventually is we become self-righteous and we say, well, I've already arrived spiritually. And we end up looking at other people. He is personal. Sorry, spiritually dangerous people are script- use Scripture as a mirror not as binoculars, a mirror, not as binoculars. We are no better than anybody else. We have been saved and rescued by grace. In the story of Gideon, he is about to understand this. Here's why we're dangerous. Jesus died to take us to heaven, but Jesus rose from the grave to make us dangerous. He died on the cross to take us to heaven, but he rose from the grave to make us dangerous. The cross gives us freedom. The resurrection gives us fuel for daily living. We don't have to work for it. He has already done it. We don't have to live for Jesus because Jesus lives in me. We live because of Jesus. We're dangerous because the Spirit of God lives in us. We're dangerous because the power of Jesus is in me, He's personal. He's in my conscience. He's that voice inside me that tells me right and wrong. He makes me mature. He leads me to obedience. He makes me loving and patient and self-controlled. He makes me fruitful. He allows me to share and change with those around me. And here's the fact for today to be spiritually dangerous. Do you know that Jesus has more faith in what he placed inside you than you have in him? Jesus has more faith in the spirit that he places inside of you than you have in him. We are supposed to obey, and we're supposed to obey, and we're supposed to obey. When we hold up scripture and we see something out of line in our lives, we're supposed to look at it and say, oh, that's for someone else. No, we're supposed to say, that's for me. I'm going to obey. The Holy Spirit is not an experience. The Holy Spirit's a new way of life. Yes, there are spiritual experiences, but Jesus has given us a new way of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is living, the church is moving, and you're invited to play a part in this living movement. You cannot stop him, you cannot control him. He will accomplish his purpose, and the Lord is with you. And when we yield to him, when we obey him, we'll stop drifting, we'll stop doing what our sinful nature desires. You know that we need Jesus every single day. Every day, Monday through Monday, we need Jesus. So this morning, the Holy Spirit's invited you to play a part in impacting the world. How will you go? It really depends on which way you're going to lean. Are you going to allow the Spirit to empower your life? or you can allow your sinful desires to pull you away. Being a spiritually dangerous person is a person understanding that the power of the living God is in you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Let's pray. God, this morning, we understand your power, and we understand your presence. What an incredible thing that you would desire, you'd even care to take up residence in us. God, there's so many times we're confused, and we misunderstand what you've asked us to do, but the one thing that's clear is that you've asked us to yield. You've asked us to give you access. You've asked us to listen and obey. You haven't asked us to point out other people's flaws. You simply asked us to obey. And we can be dangerous. Once we understand that you are in control, we understand that you are the one that changes hearts, not us, We understand that you're the one that does the work, not us. Spiritually, we can become incredibly dangerous. We can stand up for what's right, without judgment, without condemnation, but understanding that your love overcomes everything. God, this morning, would you have your way with us? Would you invade us with your presence? We know you're there. We just want to yield to you. We need you. This morning, God, we need you.
1: Go ahead and be seated. Galatians 5:16. Paul is urging the Galatians, "Let the Holy Spirit guide you." Wouldn't it be a shame if we have the Holy Spirit living within us? And we don't let him guide us we don't yield to him we don't follow him what a waste that would be on what god wants to do through our lives we have the spirit within us why would we not want to yield to it
0: and most of us are waiting for him to move and the truth is he's already moved and he's already told us just just yield and so every single day we wake up we say man god i don't know what's going to happen today you do and today i yield to you you're in first place today
1: Uh, I think I I shared this several months ago, and I think we've talked about it a lot, how our new family motto this year has been spill well. And that comes from the whole fact, if I'm walking down the street and I have a cup of coffee and someone bumps into me and it spills everywhere, what spills? Coffee spills. Why does coffee spill? Not because someone bumped me. Coffee spills because coffee was in the cup. So when we walk down the street this week, we will get bumped, we will get pushed, we will get hurt. What's going to spill? Whatever's inside of you. That's what's going to spill out. So we read that list of so many things that we frustratingly go to so many times. But let's not spill that. Let's spill the good stuff, the peace and the love and the joy and the patience Let's let that be what overflows out of us. The Spirit is leading us so much and guiding us in such a way that when we're bumped, we spill joy. How awesome would that be? Every day we tell our kids, spill well, (laughs) because you will get bumped.
0: Every single day I'm like, hey guys, okay, represent, and they know. Represent who? God, our family, and us, and then spill well. That's what we tell them every day. So we're going to say the same thing to all of us. Every single day, yield, spill well, represent, because there's the living God in you. And we can do this together. That's what's cool is I don't have to do this alone. I've got people around me that I get to spill. Well, when you're up. not
1: spilling well, I can be like, hey, buddy. Yeah. Straighten up. Yo, yo. Right. I'm
0: right. going to come back there. I'm going to pull this thing over.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't. Yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> okay. We're done. We're done. You guys have a great week. Spill well. Remember, fill yourself with what is good. So when you are pushed this week, he is what comes out of you, and his goodness is what people can see, and they get to appreciate that off you. At Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus.
0: Spell well. Love you guys.